You're listening to the Propaganda Report's Drive Time News Blast. I'm Brad Binkley. Top story of the day is that Congress goes to Davos, about a dozen or so of them anyway, who all certainly seem to be assuring the Davos dweebs that America will continue to send insane amounts of money to Ukraine regardless of how long the war goes on, regardless of the economic pain Americans might be feeling at home, and despite the fact that a newly released poll conducted by the Associated Press has found that American support for the war in Ukraine is waning. And that's where we're going to begin today, and then we're going to listen to what some of the congressional members had to say at Davos themselves So this new poll was published in the AP by the AP, and it found that Americans are becoming less supportive of punishing Russia for launching its invasion of Ukraine if it comes at the expense of the U.S. economy. Here are the numbers. It says that while 45% of U.S. adults say that the nation's bigger priority should be sanctioning Russia as effectively as possible, 51% say that it should be limiting the damage to the U.S. economy. Now, that was for this month, for May. Now, in April, those numbers were reversed, while in March, shortly after the invasion, 55% of Americans said that the bigger priority should be the sanctioning, uh, should be sanctioning Russia as effectively as possible. As for sending funds directly to Ukraine, the AP says that there is muted support with just 44% of Americans saying that they favor sending funds. And the AP goes on to say that the shifts in opinion reflect how rising prices are biting into American households. Surging costs for gas, groceries, and other commodities have strained budgets for millions of people and perhaps limiting their willingness to support Ukraine financially. They then say it's a troubling sign for President Biden, who just on Saturday approved another $40 billion in funding to help Ukraine, including both weapons and financial assistance. Now, what a shock that once people start feeling it in their wallets, that they begin caring more about what happens here at home to them personally and their family than they do what happens in a country most of them have never experienced other than through the lens of their television and their news media. Now, I guarantee you that that 45% of Americans who still believe that punishing Russia should be top priority over their own pain at home are the wealthiest people in the country. No one who is struggling to pay the bills, struggling to take care of their family, who's feeling it in their wallet, thinks that it's more important to prioritize Russia and Ukraine internationally than it is to prioritize what's going on at home with the individual. So what's the point of a survey like this anyway that the AP conducted here? Obviously, they're trying to see where the American people are on the issues, where they stand. And this is information that politicians and advertisers can use. Now, politicians, they can take this information that they learn and they can then adjust their policies to meet the public where they stand, where they are, or they can adjust their messaging and propaganda so to bring the public to where the politicians want the public to be so that they can then claim that the actions that they, the politicians, had already predetermined were actually the will of the people. It was interesting that This survey was in the news today because just last night, there was a Davos panel discussion on the very same topic. Very interesting timing, as always. And what's even more interesting is that the panelists were about a dozen congressmen and women who certainly made it appear that they take their orders not from the public, not from those who elected them, but instead from the globalists who pull their strings. Now, I'm going to play you 
some of this panel discussion, which is titled The View from Capitol Hill. What they're discussing in it is they're discussing the U.S. support of Ukraine, specifically in the form of these billions of dollars worth of aid that we send to them like every single morning. It's like Biden gets up every morning and cash apps Zelensky, another 20 billion. Zelensky hearts it, and then we do it again the next day. And throughout the course of this discussion, the moderator, who is by far the most interesting person on the panel, uh, in my opinion anyway, she drills each one of these congressmen and women on whether or not the U.S. will continue to send endless amounts of money to Ukraine, no matter how long the war goes on or how the American people might feel about doing so. And she is absolutely adamant about it. It's almost as though she was given an assignment and that her job was to get these congressmen, these senators, on the record, giving assurances in front of an international audience that is Davos. Now, her name, the moderator, is Zanny Mitten Bedos. She's a British journalist and the editor-in-chief of The Economist, and she is considered to be one of the most influential voices in financial journalism. And she's very good. She's very much in control of this conversation. And here in this first clip I'm going to play you, she is asking Democratic Senator Coons of Delaware a question not too unlike the one that was discussed in this AP poll that was released today. Senator Coons, I wanted to ask you about, it is true that there is currently bipartisan uh, public support for Ukraine, tremendous public support. Is, are you confident that in a world of high inflation, cost of living hits, all of those things, that that support will last? It's certainly something that in Europe worries people. Just the way she framed that question is a little interesting, isn't it? You know, we know we have support now, but are you worried that the rising inflation, rising cost of living and all that other stuff, that that could make support waver, that people maybe people are going to worry about themselves? And what exactly is she saying that people in Europe are worried about? And which people? Is she talking about her and other people like her or actually the, the citizens? And it sounds like she's saying that they're worried that the general public is going to stop wanting to support all the aid money to Ukraine because of their personal problems with, with the economy. Or perhaps she's saying that the European people or the European elites are worried that the Americans, the American public, will start worrying about their own personal economic pain and stop worrying as much about Ukraine. And that is what they're worried about. It's a, it's a strange framing to the question, in my opinion. Let's see what this United States congressman has to say in response. No, that worries me. I think it worries all of us. Um, as long as uh, the Ukrainian people continue to fight so bravely and so fiercely, as long as Russia continues its brutality and the commission of war crimes, there will be plenty of reason for us to be engaged, concerned, and supportive. But you're right that the average constituent, not just in my state or our states, but also in the West, uh, is likely to be as concerned or more concerned about the rising price of groceries or gas or uh, health care or other issues about uh, the return of uh, growth in the economy. We still have not finished with this pandemic, uh, and it may in the fall come back. Uh, we still have not really resolved uh, energy security, although it is now reshaped uh, by this conflict. I think Putin is counting on the West to lose focus. Right, exactly. Putin is counting on Americans losing focus. That's what it is. If you start worrying more about the economy and how it affects you personally and your life and your family, then you're doing exactly what Putin wants. You're carrying water for the Kremlin. That's exactly what it is. Thank you, Senator Coons, for your insightful answer to that question. That's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. In the first part of his answer, 
where he says that as long as Putin is committing war crimes, war crimes, as long as those keep happening, then we can keep Americans engaged. That seems to be what he's saying to me. Not saying there's not war crimes committed. There are. But that seems to incentivize atrocity propaganda. Okay, after that question, she then moves on to drill another senator, Senator Wicker, a Republican from Mississippi, I believe the only Republican on the panel. She wants to know from him if the Republicans in the House and Senate who voted against the Ukraine packages are going to be a problem. And if the Republicans win back either the House, Senate, or both in November, if the world needs to prepare, if they need to be ready, because U.S. policy on Ukraine is going to change. And money's going to get cut off, maybe, or no more packages for Zelensky. That's what she wants to know. And Wicker's answer really brings some clarity to me about what's really going on here. Senator Wicker, you know, 11 Republican senators voted against this, and I believe 57 Republican congressmen did. So there is a, you know, not so small in the House, um, contingent of Republicans who are not in favor of this. Is, it, is there a risk that as the midterms get closer, uh, that that increases. And secondly, if uh, co- control of one or both chambers changes after the midterms, should the rest of the world think there might be a change in congressional attitudes to Ukraine? No, I don't think. Uh, I think the answer to your last question is no, they should not worry about that. Before World War II, there was a relatively strong group of America firsters led by patriots like Charles Lindbergh, they just looked at the, the world differently and, and they were very, very much uh, opposed to us preparing to get into uh, World War II. I think that certainly has diminished, but there's that element there. And I think uh, there's some voices on cable TV that have uh, amplified that view. And so that was reflected in the 11 no votes in the, in the U.S. Senate and the 40 or so in the U.S. House. So obviously it's Tucker Carlson's fault that America First sentiment is being spread on cable television. And he references back, even says America First, to the earlier wars. And that's what's going on here. It appears that they are trying to just make sure that this woman is trying to make sure that these congressmen and women on this stage could assure her and everybody else in the international community that no America first Republicans were going to get in office and exert their influence and take away the agenda that prioritizes the international community first. And that explains why she finds it to be such a problem that Americans might be feeling the pain in their own wallets and therefore might put themselves before they put the international community. And that's what this boils down to. That same old story of the individual versus the collective, the global, international collective, which they say should be a priority above all else. And these senators and congressmen and women on the stage here, House of Representatives members, I mean, they're clearly on board with putting the global international community, their agenda, their needs above the needs of those individuals who they represent, who elected them. All right, in the second part of Wicker's answer here, he really gets frank about the way that they were able to get those packages through and out to Ukraine. And even though this stuff is familiar through a propaganda lens, it really gives insight into the way that these politicians think about the public and their relationship to the public and the messages that they deliver to them. The reason we were able to to approve this vast sum of $40 billion is because we are representing public opinion. 
in the United States. The reason we were able to do it so fast is that we kept um, other extraneous, though important issues, away from the bill. And, uh, and the, the Republican leader, Senator McConnell, uh, made it clear that we would supply enough votes to get this done if, if we removed other issues that were going to take time. More COVID relief is important. There are a number of domestic needs that could have uh, ordinarily been put in a supplemental bill, but it was done speedily because it was only about Ukraine and we reflected public opinion. I think when the 40 billion, or, or when Ukraine comes back as, as we know they will, the next the next tranche will, will have to be done because we have led in public opinion and shown, as our previous speakers have said, how important it is. He's right. Public opinion is very important. They need to have that public opinion on their side so they can legitimize these things they had previously planned. And he said they reflected public opinion. I think it's probably more so that they created public opinion. It kept important issues away from the bill, just like the media kept important issues away from the American people's minds by showing nothing but Ukraine, 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 Russia bad, Russia bad, Russia bad, while everything else fell to the wayside. All the COVID stuff, everything else, whatever, nothing was talked about for a couple of weeks except Ukraine exclusively. And it was primed in America's mind. People started putting up flags in their profiles. People started standing in solidarity with Ukraine. They made videos. They made TikToks. And then these congressmen and women got to say, hey, look, well, it looks like the American people are focused only on Ukraine. That seems to be the most important things in their lives. I guess we better send billions of dollars over to Ukraine. It's what the American people want. No, it's what you, with the help of the media, imposed upon the minds of the American people and then created a want within them so that you could justify what some believe you were planning on doing anyway. And it sounds like they're going to do it again. He says when Ukraine comes back, he already knows when Ukraine comes back, he's planning the next round of billions that we're going to ship out, and it's going to be because we have led in public opinion. That is how this stuff works. I know you guys know that, but it's just such a frank example of a politician talking about how they manipulate the public. I mean, what he described is Edward Bernays' model of propaganda that he talked about all the time, basically. Read Edward Bernays' book, Propaganda, Crystallizing Public Opinion, and read the paper, Engineering of Consent, unless you can get a hold of the book, Engineering of Consent. I actually have the book. I might do that as a Patreon exclusive thing where I go through some of that book because it's kind of hard to, to get sometimes. But that's what Bernays' model of manipulating the public was that he bragged so often about. All right, I got one more for you. Well, I'm probably going to stop it after the question, so I guess it's like two more. But this is the moderator asking Senator Leahy the same question that she's been drilling everybody else on, just in a different way, except this time she really brings her point home. She wants to make absolutely clear that there's nobody on the stage who thinks that at any point in time in the future, no matter how far in the future it might be, that there will be a no vote on aid to Ukraine. Just to be absolutely clear before we move on to a different topic, if there is, an, and judging by the, the scale of needs that Ukraine has, it is likely that another support package will be needed later in the year, either before the midterms or just after. Are you all confident that that would pass? Anybody not? 
No, and you want to say something? Yeah, go ahead, Senator. I just wanted to make sure, Senator Leahy, you put your hand up. I just want to be very clear that, that this is a very distinguished group of congressmen and senators. To, to be able to tell the world that you are utterly confident there would be another support package would be a powerful message. Okay, so she's basically just threatening them at this point. She's like a mob boss going one by one. If anybody's got anything to say, if you want to tell me that there might not be support package approval, you better tell me now. Otherwise, I need your commitment in front of the world that, yes, you will indefinitely forever send billions to Ukraine on command whenever we tell you to. Some of these guys on the stage, these politicians, are even mumbling under their breath. You can, like, see it if you're watching it. They're shaking their heads going, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, there'll be a support pack. Of course. Whatever you want. Take it all. Take my wallet. Here, just, just, uh, just don't kill me. This makes me think of everything that I've read about the propaganda campaign that targeted the United States. It was led by the British leading up to World War I. Just draw on a line of comparison here. British agents infiltrated America. Of course, this is Davos. We went there. And they set up little sleeper cells, and they got close to people in power, and they whispered in their ear in a successful propaganda campaign to turn America, which was neutral about going into World War I at the time, into a war-hungry country, and ultimately got us to join World War I on the side of the British. And they wrote letters back and forth between the propaganda agency, the Wellington House, Sir Gilbert Parker, other propaganda agents who were in America at the time, conducting this operation about how gullible the American people are and about how easy they were to influence and to pressure and to put into a corner. This just feels like something similar going on, although they are very much willing participants in it. So eating up the propaganda willingly. So Leahy gives his answer in which he gives us the mechanism that is needed for them to get that public support that they need to justify the endless amounts of money, the sanctions. I'm confident for one major thing. Uh, all of us have read the history books of what happened World War II, uh, Stalin going after Finland, and so on. But that's reading the history books. The difference today is the media, and some of them have lost their lives in the media uh, in covering this. They've gotten such a clear picture to the whole world, the atrocities. Uh, families being machine-gunned on the street, hospitals, schools being bombed. Uh, this has made everybody realize, I, uh, I want to let the others speak, but I, I'll give you one, one example. You look at Finland. Finland always stayed out of NATO. Their public opinion polls were against joining NATO. Once the images of what's happening in Ukraine came out. The public opinion turned overnight, and Finland now wants to join NATO. I think that the public opinion in the United States is turned overnight, and I'm hoping that it will bring about in our country, at least Republicans and Democrats, working together with a strong purpose. That's pretty clear there. These politicians know that they can influence public opinion by ambushing them with the help of the media with images and video of atrocities. And this is exactly why there's been a number of stories throughout this war that turned out not to be actual true stories. And there are legitimate and there are real atrocities. But on the other side of that, throughout the course of history, and you can also discover this by reading the history books that he referenced, atrocity propaganda has been used to influence various publics into wars. Harold Laswell, propaganda during World War, documents a bunch of these. And the history is true on both. So 
when you have a media that does not fact check the legitimacy of any of these stories, they just roll with them because the narrative and the agenda is more important than the truth, then you're going to question stuff. Then you should question stuff. The question now is, what are they going to do about that waning support in America towards sending aid to Ukraine? I mean, are they going to shift their policy and not send billions upon billions of dollars to Ukraine every other day? If they did that, this woman might literally bite their heads off. They're so terrified of her, they wouldn't dare do that. The only other option for them is to shift their messaging, shift their propaganda to try and bring that support back up to a justifiable level. All right, enough of that. If you want to hear more about what these people are saying at Davos, I'm going to be playing some more clips in the DMBXR, one where a senator reveals to us what the Ukraine war is actually about, which is not just Ukraine that we learned from this man. And we're also going to hear what Bill Gates had to say at a Davos panel discussion about how to prepare for the next pandemic. Bill is going to let us know. You can hear that content by subscribing to the Propaganda Report on Patreon at patreon.com slash Propaganda Report, where every time we do a DMB, we do a XR, exclusive portion of it, continuing the conversation. And I also take all the commercials out for you if there are commercials in this one. So you can listen to it all commercial free as a Propaganda Report Patreon. We have a very vibrant, excellent, good looking, intelligent community. So check that out. Patreon.com slash Propaganda Report. All right, we got time for a couple more stories here. This next one really highlights the refugee problem in the UK. As a British woman named Lorna, who housed a Ukrainian refugee, has had her life upended after being robbed by the very refugee whom she welcomed into her home. The 22-year-old refugee named Sophie stole from Lorna the very thing that Lorna loved most, her man. That's right, her boyfriend or husband, depending on which story you read, which article, of 10 years, they have two kids, left her for the Ukrainian refugee that the two of them moved into their house. Tony Garnett, Lorna's ex, said that when he met Sophie, the Ukrainian refugee, it was love at first sight. And Sophie said, as soon as I saw him, I fancied him. It's been very quick, but this is our love story. I know people will think badly of me, but it happens. Sophie came to live with a couple in May, so this did happen very quickly, after Tony met her on Facebook. They met on Facebook, and then she came over there to live with... All right, if your dude comes to you, ladies, and says, hey, I met this Ukrainian refugee on Facebook, maybe we should move her in, I would have some questions. I would not allow the need to stand in solidarity to do it for Ukraine, make you not look into this a little bit more. Because it's like, hey, let's bring this hot 22-year-old Ukrainian, and she does look like she's kind of cute, into the home, you know, just for solidarity. That's just solidarity. That's the only reason we want to bring her into the house. No other reason. Facebook. Give me a break. Garnett told the son that they're sorry for the pain they've caused, but that he's discovered his connection with Sophie like he's never had before and that they're planning the rest of their lives together. While Sophie says that it's not her fault that they were already broken, messed up their relationship was when she got over there. Although I would argue that if she knew he was in a relationship during that little Facebook conversation they had, then maybe she might have a little bit of responsibility. However, she does say that she just left and that Tony decided to come with her. 
Also an interesting wrinkle, the refugee comes over to your home in the UK, flees the war-torn country, and then the refugee leaves within a month on her own volition. I don't know where she would have gone had Tony not gone with her because the place they moved to is Tony's parents' house. That's a great idea. I can't wait for the follow-up about how Tony's dad left his mom for the 22-year-old Ukrainian refugee that his son moved into the house with. The refugee family, Sophie's refugee family, actually disowned her over this little episode, saying that other potential hosts will think twice before welcoming Ukrainians into their homes. She said that they say because of me, nobody in the UK will take in Ukrainians anymore. Every UK family will now think I can't take in a Ukrainian because she will take my husband from me. Well, I can't disagree with that, but while she may have ruined it for a lot of the other refugee families that want to come over here, she certainly made standing in solidarity for Ukraine a lot more exciting for UK men. Certainly made them a lot more willing to lend a helping hand and to welcome them over. They actually talk about this, not this particular case, but they talk about how it looks, the way that the West is treating Ukrainian refugees versus how the West treats refugees from other countries and how they, they talk about this in one of the World Economic Forum panel discussions. In fact, in that same one that we played clips from earlier about how they need to even that out a little bit because I think it'll make us look kind of like hypocrites or you know whatever else you want to call it. But yeah, I'd be willing to bet that what's his name here who left his wife for the 22-year-old refugee isn't bringing in refugees from many of the other war-torn countries that we never hear about in the news, ever. We never, ever hear about them in the news. Maybe they could do it where if you take in a hot, blonde Ukrainian refugee, then you also have to take in refugees from, like, Afghanistan. So with every 22-year-old, blonde-haired, blue-eyed Ukrainian refugee, they got to bring in an Afghan refugee. That's just the way it's going to work. And if you fall in love with one of them, you got to fall in love with both of them. Got to move them both into your parents' basement when you leave your wife for the two of them. This is how we have accountability in this situation. All right, that wraps up the show for today. Thank you all for listening. You guys can find your Drive Time News Blast every day at thepropreport.com or your favorite podcasting platform with the Propaganda Report podcast feed. If you want access to that extra content that I was telling you about earlier, you can go to patreon.com slash propaganda report and subscribe there. Check out the tiers, see which one is to your liking. And we will talk to you all next time or in the DMB XR. Have a fantastic rest of your day.